Jenny Detweiler, and I invite you to come and join me as we take a pause in our busy day and pursue soul care, as we allow our bodies to slow down and our minds to be renewed with goodness, truth, and hope. This is PRN. Pause. Renew. Next. Hi, friends. Thank you for choosing to be here with me today. I count it a real honor and privilege. Well, this is the last month on our Burnout and Recovery series. So this week and two more weeks, and we'll wrap it up. Today's topic is one that probably a lot of people don't want to talk about, but I think it's completely necessary to our conversation about burnout. And that is to enter a conversation about grief. But before we do that, let's take a minute and center ourselves. So wherever you are, I want you to make yourself comfortable and let's take a minute to slow it all down. We're gonna take a few deep breaths together, round ourselves before we move on with the conversation. So all together, I want you to take a deep, deep belly breath. Inhale. And exhale. Did you notice any tightness in your chest? Very often when I take a deep breath like that, I won't even realize that my chest was tight until I do it, and it feels like it's releasing just a little bit. Let's do it again. Inhale. And exhale. Friend, listen, you may need five or six of those. You may need seven or eight. So if you want to pause the podcast right here and take a few more, please do that. And when you're ready, we'll move on with our conversation. So listen, I've been a counselor for 14 years, and you and I both know that nobody enjoys a conversation about grief. In fact, as a human species, we try to stay as far away from that topic as is possible, right? So please, before you turn this podcast off, give me a minute to explain why I would want to talk about this particular topic in lieu of the grander topic of burnout. Well, here is the reason why. Grief doesn't just mean saying goodbye to someone we love, although it may mean that for some of you. But grief can also apply to many, many losses in our life. And I'm going to list just a few that probably are going to ring true for many of you. Loss of dreams, loss of expectations. Maybe you dreamed big things for this season of your life. Maybe you dreamed big things for what motherhood or parenting was going to be like. Maybe you dreamed big things for your kids. Maybe you've dreamed big things for your career. And those things have not panned out like what you expected. I think there's been a lot of bitter disappointment across the board for many of us over the last couple of years. And disappointment sometimes looks like grief. But grief can also look like saying goodbye, maybe to somebody permanently, maybe to a relationship of some sort, maybe a breakup or a divorce, maybe a friend who moved away or a loved one. But we can also grieve the loss of normalcy. So I don't care who you are, life wasn't completely normal for you probably over the last two years. And what I notice in my counseling practice is Sometimes there's a delay, you know, like when a really big, hard thing happens to us. 
Sometimes we feel the big emotions and our bodies feel the fallout of it months after the fact. So yeah, technically things are going back to normal now, but that doesn't mean that your body's not still responding to things that you experienced months ago. And so that is why I want to talk about grief today, because there are so many losses that many of us have experienced, and maybe we haven't even thought about it in those terms. Maybe we haven't given ourselves permission to grieve. And that's what today's podcast is all about, because if we're talking about recovery, I think it's important to count the costs of the things that we've been through, name them, feel the emotions that go with them, grieve them in order to recover and get back to solid ground. So here's what I've learned as a counselor, talking with many, many people over the years who've lost big and small things. You cannot grieve wrong. There's no way to do that. The only way that you can grieve incorrectly is not to do it at all. And the way we do that is to repress it, to ignore it, to pretend it didn't happen. And maybe for a period of time, we have to do that. Maybe we have to live in denial to even make it through the day. But over time, if we choose to do that, if we choose not to pay attention, then eventually our bodies give us away and our grief may come up in physical complaints instead, in relational problems. All I know is you can only push things down so long. Our bodies are wise, and they will begin to show it eventually. So to begin our conversation about grief, what I'd love to do is go through the five grief stages with you so that as you think back through your life over the last couple of months, maybe the last couple of years, if you notice these symptoms inside of yourself, then maybe that would be a sign that you have had some grief. Now, these were famously attributed to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and originally they were normed on people that were terminally ill. But then we kind of realized over time that, no, these five grief stages don't just apply to people who are terminally ill and grieving. No, they apply to any kind of loss across the board. As a human, if you are grieving something, these five stages completely apply, which is why I want to talk about them today. The first one is shock and denial. I used to think those were the same thing, but they totally are different. Shock is when you're first experiencing something and your your brain cannot fully comprehend it. You know if you've ever found out that somebody that you love died and you took in the information, but it didn't completely feel real. It felt like you were kind of sleepwalking through the whole thing. That's shock. And in many ways, it's a complete gift to us as a human race, because if we completely understood the full extent of hard losses right away, it would be too much for us. And so it's almost like this little buffer that God has given us. It can last for hours, a few days, up to a couple weeks. Now, denial can last much longer than that. Denial is something that we as humans are very good at doing to be able to compartmentalize and move on with our lives. Denial is pretending like something didn't happen, basically. And here's an example of what denial could look like. I sat with a woman a few years ago who had lost someone important to her. And on the anniversary, I asked if she was going to go visit at the graveside. And she said, oh, no, 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 I never go there. And I said, oh, really? Why not? And she replied, because it would make it real. So that truly, friends, is an example of denial. But we all do it. We all do it. Okay, the second one is depression. And that's the one that people really think of when they think of grief. It can look like sadness, crying. It can look like apathy, like not caring about the things we used to care about, like the world feels empty. 
it might feel like numbness. It may feel like not wanting to get up out of bed. But I've heard depression called frozen grief. And I think grief and depression have many things in common. So depression is one of the stages of grief. Another stage is anger. Now, I counsel primarily women, and I've found over the years that many women have an uncomfortable relationship with anger. So so anger may or may not come out directly. It may feel like frustration, irritability, or it may feel like rage. It can look like many different things. It can look like annoyance, maybe even feeling overwhelmed. But when we lose things that are important to us, it doesn't feel fair. It isn't fair. Let's take a minute and acknowledge the fact that if God made us as eternal creatures, then we were never meant to say goodbye. It doesn't come naturally to us to have to lose or say goodbye to anything, much less really, really, really important people or things in our lives. So when we think about eternity, there won't be any more goodbyes, and that's what we're made for. So everything here that we lose feels very unfair. And anger can come out at the people who maybe took those things from us, at the events that took things from us, sometimes even at God. Maybe there's nowhere to put your anger, but you just feel a whole lot of it. That's something to pay attention to. And it's okay. It's okay that you feel angry. It's a normal part of it. The fourth stage is bargaining. So if we go back to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and thinking about terminally ill patients, this one makes a whole lot of sense. So those patients did not want to die. And bargaining was one of their grief stages because they basically did bargaining with God. And they might say things like, Lord, if I promise to quit smoking for the rest of my days, will you save my life? And, And our bargaining may look just like that. Maybe we're making deals with God. But it also can look like all of the mental hoops that we go through to make sense of things that don't truly make any sense, things that are unexplainable, hard, hard things. It can look like all the what-if questions. What if I'd gotten there five minutes earlier? What if I hadn't decided to move? What if it had been her instead of me? What if we had chosen a different path? What if my child didn't have special needs? All of those questions are hard and necessary for us to process very, very difficult things. The fifth stage of grief is called acceptance. And that does not mean that we are fully accepting and okay with the hard things that have happened. No, instead it means we've come to peace with it. We understand that that is the case, that we can't go back and we're able to move on with our lives. I think it's really important to know that grief comes in waves. It doesn't just stick around at the same level all the time. Neither do these grief stages go in order. I mean, I think shock does. You can't really go back to that one. But all the rest of them, you bounce between. So it might look like shock and denial, down to depression, down to bargaining, up to anger. Now I've accepted it, but five minutes later I haven't and I'm feeling depressed. Or maybe I'm in an okay place and I'm thinking about something else, but then I see somebody who reminds me of it. Or I have a Facebook memory that pops up that reminds me of how different my life was three years ago than it is right now. And we're fully immersed back in it. Here's the important thing to to remember about all this, friends. If you're experiencing those things, I want you to have, like we talked about a few weeks ago, self-compassion. If somebody else you knew was grieving, you would want to give them all the time and the space available 
to be sad, to feel the feelings that they have to feel, to cry, to journal, to pray. And that's what I want you to do for yourselves too. That is a part of recovery, I think, is to name the hard things, to give ourselves permission to grieve them. And that will look different for each one of you. Maybe it looks like you listen to a song that reminds you and you cry about it driving down the road and then you're okay for the rest of the day. Maybe that looks like setting aside time in your day to journal about it, or maybe just once a week even. Maybe that looks like calling a friend and talking through things that you've had on your heart for a long time, but maybe you've repressed. Again, there's no wrong way to grieve other than to push it down and repress it. So if as we're talking, things are ringing true in your own soul and spirit, and you realize that yes, you do have things to grieve, but you haven't even thought about it in that way before, then friend, I hope you'll give yourself permission to allow yourself to grieve. Maybe you need to go talk to a therapist about it. That too is okay. If that's something that would be helpful for you, then I hope that you'll consider it. Now let's talk about faith, shall we? Jesus is called the man of sorrows. If ever there was somebody who knew how to grieve, it was him. And he famously said in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Let's think about that again in light of what we're talking about today. Blessed are those who mourn. Not blessed are those who have experienced hard things, but blessed are those who choose to mourn, for they will be comforted. That is a promise if you go and give your mourning to God. He gets it. There's nothing you can say that will shock Him. And He promises that He will comfort you. So I hope that you'll bring it to Him and allow Him to do that and also your safe people in life. I hope that you'll let them in on it as well because they may be part of your comforting too. And now, as we prepare for what comes next in our day, I wanna leave you with a benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Thank you.